Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, go with me to the book of Galatians. Chapter 5. We took a week off from Galatians 5, but we're back. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 15 says this But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust. Of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So I want to talk to you on this thought today. The conflict within. The conflict within. Each one of us has that conflict on a daily basis. Whether we choose to acknowledge it or not. You might be seated. <clears throat> well, as we look at the headlines... We see that, and I don't want to say nothing's changed, but I, <laughs> three officers in Wilmington, one in New Bern, voicing their opinions, people exercising their First Amendment rights. And I remind everyone that you have a right to say whatever you choose, but you don't have a right to work on certain jobs. <laughs> so with that being said, let me move on. Because <laughs> there's a lot to be said. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, all right. Didn't want you to be in the dark. What Paul is writing to the church at Galatia about uh, has to do with a lot of what we're dealing with today. Uh, most people today are not where they need to be spiritually because somewhere along the way, and I keep using this phrase, we hit a bump in the road and got off track. Amen. And once we got off track, we could not find our way back. So Paul continues to help us to get to that place where we can get back on track. So he says this morning that when a Christian genuinely loves others, he fulfills all of the moral requirements of the law. Amen. The moral requirements of the law are basically uh, following one's conscience. Conscience, of course, is subject to whether you are saved 
or not. In other words, let's put it this way. How we apply the law of God has to do with who we are as people. Amen. To some folk, everything is wrong. And to other folk, nothing's wrong. But he says the Christian loves out of his understanding of who God is. Amen. So he says that uh, 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 living in freedom is serving one another in love and loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, something I say to you quite often, and I want to keep it in your spirit, first things first. Now, what does that mean, Pastor? It means simply this. You're never going to be able to love another person until you first learn how to love you. <laughs> no joke. What do black people and white supremacists have in common? They both don't like black people. Funny but true, isn't it? Okay, don't get me off. <laughs> so he says, walk by the Spirit. <laughs> and all believers have the same presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit as their personal power for living to please God. In other words, Nobody should be able to say, if you are born again, it's too hard. I can't do that. There's something wrong if you feel like the power of the Holy Spirit is not enough. At some point in time, you must come to the, the, the reality that Jesus in you is enough for everything that you're dealing with. <laughs> so the Greek verb says to walk, and the word is paripteo, uh, paripteo, and it simply means this. It means it is a continuous action or habitual lifestyle. So when the Bible talks about walk in the spirit, it means to live in the spirit. It means that we do this all the time. One translation says occupy or occupation. It is my job to walk in the spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not a hobby. It's not a sideline. This is something that I am called to do. Amen. The Bible says that it refers to living under the spirit's direction and empowerment. It is a daily habit of obedience to the Holy Spirit. But the Bible teaches that petty disagreements divide us and destroy our testimony. Now, everybody 
who was here last year this time and is not here today apparently did not have the Holy Spirit. Uh-oh. Why are you saying that, Pastor? People have a right to do what they want. They can leave if they want to, sure. But if the Holy Spirit is directing you and you know he has called you, he teaches us that God is not a part-time lover. He's not a sometimey lover. Huh? And, and he will tell you up front that love is forever. And we need to understand that if the Bible says that God is love and he has given us his love through the Holy Spirit to empower us to live our daily lives, then what is it that separates us from the love of God? And the thing that separates us is the Bible is very clear. It's our flesh. It's our flesh. It's our flesh. The Bible says that walking in the spirit means that you are making progress. It's not a walk on a treadmill. You're going somewhere. You should be further ahead today than you were last year this time. The Bible says as a believer submits to the spirit's control, that he responds in obedience. In other words, the Holy Spirit said, go here, you go. Don't go there. I don't go. It's just as simple as that. Amen. So the Bible says he grows in his spiritual life. So I've become better at what I do. Now, do I make mistakes? Yes. <clears throat> but what, you know, uh, I'm going to take some liberties here that's probably going to get me in trouble. No, y'all laugh. No, no, this, this is serious. Because I want to say something about Earl. And, and I realize that this is a... But can I tell you this? When a person makes a mistake and then spends the rest of his life doing works of repentance, Amen. that is exactly what God requires of us. Exactly. And he who has not made a mistake, go on, throw your Bible up here at me. So verse 15 shows us an image of wild animals savagely attacking and killing each other. This is what happens when the church moves from dissension to destruction. It's a graphic picture of what happens in the spiritual realm when believers do not love and serve one another. And can I tell you something? Just talking ain't serving. When crabs are cooked, they're placed in a pot of lukewarm water. And as the water temperature rises, the crabs try to get out of the pot. As they try to get out of the pot, 
one reaches down and pulls him back and they continue to do that and eventually the water gets so hot they all die. We don't support one another eventually. This is the reason that hell was made. When church members assume an every man for himself mindset rather than to serve through love mindset, they will claw and grab one another until they're all roasted in the pot. <laughs> I'm reminded I'm, I'm having a lot of flashbacks. I remember several years ago, Sister Macklemore came up with a little show with the hands and y'all the black light and all that stuff. You know? How many kids did you have in that? Somewhere between 30 and 40. You know what I'm thinking, right? Okay, I'm, I'm playing in everybody's neighborhood. <laughs> Just so you know, if I ain't got to your row yet. The desires of the flesh, basically, are our human sinful desires. Amen. To walk in the spirit is to discover God's view on a matter and to decide to act. First one is God's view. And secondly, to decide on uh, to act on that divine perspective. And then the third thing is to depend on the Holy Spirit to empower your obedience. So let's put it one at a time here. Let's do it. First thing we have to discover is God's view on the matter. What does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible say about that? Not what you think or what you feel. What does the Bible say about that? And then when you know what the Bible says about that, then you have to decide to do what the Bible says to do. Now, don't act until you know. If the Bible says this, then you do this. The Bible is very clear. If you don't know a whole lot about the Bible, stick with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Let me stop here. Now, you understand something about, uh, you all remember, she's dead now, but you remember Dr. Joyce Brothers? No, no, okay. Okay, Dr. Joyce Brothers uh, had a theory. She calls it the Elizabeth Taylor Syndrome. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, Elizabeth Taylor had a, a she practiced wifing. But here's what Dr. Joyce Brothers said about uh, that Elizabeth Taylor Syndrome. 
The reason she had so many marriages is because she was able to receive love, but she was not able to give love. A lot of Christians have the Elizabeth Taylor syndrome. They can receive love, but they can't give it out. So the Bible is very clear that God so loved the world that he what? Gave. And he gave an expression of that. See, I don't want the kind of love that's an adjective. I want the kind of love that's a verb. If you love me, then you ought to be able to show me that you love me. Telling me you love me does not mean anything. I want to see an expression of that love. I'm off again. Let me get back. I'm having a day. I'm having a day. I'm having a day. So he says that once we decide to act on it, now here's the third thing. We have to depend on the Holy Spirit now to empower us to do it. In other words, if I know what God says and it's settled in my mind that this is what God says, then I ought to be able, listen, ought to be able to stay the course. And if I'm staying the course, then I should have those 30 or 40 children. Huh? What would make a leader drop those kids and go on about their business? Those are souls. And who gets the responsibility for it? We all do. Because we let them go. Now, some of you all criticize me because it takes me a long time to put people in power. You know, I don't like for people to be ordained until I've had an opportunity to look at their lifestyle. A lot of people get frustrated. I'm leaving because you won't make me a so-and-so. And that's why I let you go. But, but the fact of the matter is, I want to know that you can stay in the fight. And so many people can't stay in the fight. They can get in the fight, but then as soon as the blows start, I heard a preacher say this yesterday. I want to make sure you shoot in the same direction I am. I don't want to go to war with you. <laughs> and you sh- so I want you to be able to stay in the fight. And see, what I'm finding is that most saints can't stay in the fight. They talk a good fight. But when it comes to contact, Okay, I got to do better with this. I'm still on page one. Notice also that walking by the Spirit does not mean resting while the Spirit does all the work. I'm just trusting and believing in the Lord while I sit here and eat my Slurpee. We're not to be passive, but we have to be active. We are called to walk while trusting. Walk while trusting. 
in the spirit to empower us. You all, y'all been to the airport where you got on those uh, walking, uh, whatever they call them? Huh? You ever notice you, you, you walking and it's moving? Now, what's happening here? I'm moving and I'm using my power and it's using its power. That's a good lesson there. I'm using my power and it is the power beneath my feet. It's moving me and I'm moving me. And I'm working in tandem with that walkway so that I can get to a destination. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He moves us along while we move along. I'm trusting in him while he is moving me along, but I'm still moving me too because I can't wait until something happens. I got to keep doing something to make it happen. We got to do better. That's all I'm saying. We got to do better. So the word for flesh is sarks. Y'all know what it is, but it's human nature. And it's that part of you, the flesh that we refer to, that makes you want to do your own selfish thing. You want to meet your needs first. You know, it's amazing that John 3.16 didn't say that God so loved the world that he decided to dress it up and bring in a lot of his friends and occupied and make it a nice place. It's also interesting that uh, he says that the way that God loved is he had to sacrifice something. In other words, he had to give up something. Y'all still with me? So the Bible goes on to say this. The spirit and the flesh or in a stalemate. But you got to understand that there's a fight going on. And the flesh, watch this now. I need you to get this. The flesh cannot, cannot conquer the spirit. I don't think they got that. No matter how strong the desire is in you, it cannot overpower the leading of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, what pastors, that's the truth. Then why do I sin? Well, because physically you can do stuff even though your mind. Uh, go to Romans chapter 7 because you think I'm just making up stuff. Romans chapter 7. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you do. When I get to 7. Verse, uh, let's say verse 13 says, uh, Has then what uh, is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear, uh, uh, but sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment, might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal. You notice the difference here. He says, sold under sin. 
for what I am doing, I don't understand. I don't know why I'm doing this. How many times you said, I don't know why I'm doing this. Hmm? For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. Is that in your Bibles? Apparently, we know the power of the Holy Spirit is greater than sin. That's why we feel convicted when we're doing what we know is wrong. Pastor, I just don't understand that. Well, you must not have lived more than six months in because you've done it. Hmm? You know how you talked about somebody? When you know you ain't got no business gossiping. <clears throat> and sometimes it just rolls out your mouth like water on a duck's back. So he says this, that there's a civil war going on in every Christian, a battle between the flesh and the spirit. At times, we may think the flesh and the spirit can work together. This is where we have a problem. When you think you can coexist with your flesh. You understand what I'm saying? If you think you can get along with your flesh, you got another thing coming, as they say. Amen. It means that uh, uh, we, let me see, it says uh, Paul reminds us that this is impossible. They are opposed to one another. And that's the whole thing. We forget that the flesh and the spirit are not something that can live together. That's why there's a war. And I hate using the analogy of a civil war because, you know, I don't want to talk about that. But he says that, that the flesh and the spirit represent two different ways of living. And they're based on different perspectives and they have different goals. But more important than any of the others, they will lead to different outcomes. Flesh is not simply the physical body, but includes the mind, the will, and the emotions, which are all subject to sin. So it, res it, it refers, when we talk about the flesh, we're talking about unredeemed humanness. It is your unredeemed humanness. And see, you have to understand that. Well, let me put it this way. When Adam and Eve sinned and they were removed from the garden, we find in Genesis chapter 4 that Adam and Eve had a relationship with one another, produced children, and the first child they produced was one of what? Sin. And the child that was produced of the spirit and the child that was produced with the sin nature could not coexist. So again, you don't have to have no deep Bible study. Just, just look at the simple facts. Amen? So we think that it's okay to allow a little sin. 
Now, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about sin because I keep telling you, I don't want, I don't want you to be sin conscious. I want you to be delivered. <laughs> but I will talk a little more about it next week when we talk about the works of the flesh. I, I, I need to explain that. So, Amen. <laughs> so then when we talk about unredeemed humanness, Paul does not say that we won't have the desires of the flesh. He didn't say that. Your desires are still there. That's what it says in Genesis chapter 3. But here's the deal. Even though the desires are there, uh, when you walk in the spirit, the spirit will keep you from yielding to those desires. If you ever found yourself in a compromising position, just remember how you got there and you can remember how not to do it again. <laughs> yeah, that brought back a lot of thoughts for some of y'all. <laughs> but what he says here then, and we're getting close now, we're getting close. In verse 18, he says then, that you are not, I mean, but if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Amen. So then the ritual law has now been transcended by the work of Christ. Now, that means that you can't work your way out of sin. You got to get saved and work your way into redemption. Not that you work for but you work toward. When you are redeemed, it's because of the work that Christ has already done, but you must exhibit the fruits of that work. Amen? So the Bible says that uh, to return to a ritualistic expression of law would enslave us to a lower level of maturity in God. And that's why so many people today are slaves of sin. We're ensnared by sin. We watch sin play out in real time on TV and in the movies. And it's amazing that you can't hardly even make a movie now without somebody cussing. And cussing doesn't add anything to the movie. And there's some favorite words. They used. <sighs> but you can change that too. Now, I'm running out of time, so I'm going to have to find a good stopping point. If you focus on work, work or walking in the spirit first, and the spirit then overrides, but not necessarily cancels the desires of the flesh. You're always going to have the desires of the flesh, but you want authority over that. Now, <laughs> I 
if you are settling for flesh management, you've already lost. Let me tell you how this works. You know how when you were a child and you were probably a teenager then, uh, your mama or daddy left you in charge while they went out somewhere and you, you were in charge of all the churn. Now, you know, uh, mom and dad always had house rules. And what they would do is they'll tell you what you can and can't do, what the children can and can't do, where they can go, where they can't go. House rules. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When mom and daddy came back home, the rules didn't change. But who was enforcing the rules changed. Now watch what I'm saying to you. So mom and daddy had the rules. The same way that you had the rules at, in the beginning. Let's say you had the Ten Commandments. But then Jesus came. And when Jesus came, he fulfilled all of those rules. And then he left the Holy Spirit in charge of those rules. So he then oversees all the house rules. Now, here's the deal. God is still in charge. Jesus is still on the throne. But the Holy Spirit is now is the house manager. So even though the rules didn't change, but the way we're enforcing the rules changed. Oh, yeah. And see, the Holy Spirit teaches us to come to the place where you don't have to be threatened to obey the rules anymore. You ain't got to be able to get a whipping to know that you should. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, some, some of you need a spanking every now and then, I'll tell you what, boy. Mm, 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 mm. So the difference then between law and grace, what was there, because, you know, the, the, the teenagers are going to enforce the law. Huh? But mom and dad are going to give some grace. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, if you're 15 and you're in charge of a 14-year-old boy, he in trouble. <laughs> Mama left me in charge. You know what that means? <laughs> so the difference between law and grace is the difference between utilizing a battery that you must keep recharging versus being continually plugged in. Being led by the Spirit. It's like following the lead of a dance partner. You move in response to what they're doing. Amen? <laughs> so it's important to recognize that the flesh urges us to do things contrary to what we wish to do. The flesh always wants you to do the wrong thing. The flesh always wants you to do the wrong thing. Amen. And the reason that we do this is because we, I hate to say we pray stupid prayers, but we pray immature prayers. Mm -hmm. 
And until we learn how to say, you know, Lord, I'm following your lead. Here's what we say. Lord, help me not to sin. <laughs> How's that working out for you? <laughs> the spirit automatically leads when we're walking according to his urges. In other words, if the Holy Spirit leads us in a certain direction, it's because that's where he wants us to go. You know, it's kind of like uh, um, what those things that uh, uh, Segway. What, you know, when you lean, it turns the way you lean, right? And see, that's what the Holy Spirit does. When you when you lean, He leans. When He leans, you lean. They work in sync with one another. I, I, <laughs> wow. Well, let me give you this one. I'm going to try to close this out. So the spirit automatically leads us when we're walking in accordance with his urges and no longer depend on legalistic rules. And that's what the problem we have is that we try to make a rule for, for, for bad behavior. So if we're doing something we got no business doing, if, you, if, you, if you, you're drinking when you shouldn't be drinking, we say, well, I'm going to ask the Lord to take away my appetite. Well, how you going to know if you keep tasting? <laughs> I don't want to stop drinking. I said, what you take? <laughs> take Take <laughs> Please don't let this booze have no flavor. <laughs> oh, come on now. You, you don't think people pray that prayer? You know, it's more, it, it is more prevalent among folks, grown folks, that are, are, are practicing sexual sins because they always pray that that person won't be attractive to them. Did that happen? Did that ever happen to anybody? That was not why you were attracted to them anyway. Lord, make them ugly. Well, they probably are ugly to somebody, but they just weren't ugly to you. <laughs> wow. Mm -mm -mm. So what the Bible's talking about here is... Uh, Spiritual accountability. In other words, we are responsible for our own actions. He does not invalidate the law. He only states that the law is no longer in charge. The Holy Spirit takes control. Uh, we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is there to make sure that we follow his lead, not to make new rules. And that's what we like to do, make a new rule. Believers are not left to their own devices. They have been given the spirit of the living God to empower them against sin. 
Amen. So let me close by saying this. The solution is not to pit our will against the flesh, but to surrender our will to the Holy Spirit. Stop wanting to have your way. Now, let me, I got a minute or two. Let me just, just, just hit on this. Uh, too many of us have spiritual issues because we want to do things our way. It's a natural tendency to please the flesh. We have been flesh pleasers since the day we were born. And until we get saved, I mean really saved, we're always going to be flesh pleasers. So we want to do what feels good to us, what we like. You know, everything is about our own particular appetite. The Bible is very clear that the Holy Spirit will lead you into what God wants you to do, not what you want to do. And most people are trying to find a way to get to what they want to do. You see yourself as something or somebody. You see yourself someplace doing something and you want to get there. And the fact of the matter is you may see you may be that or get there, but you can only get there through the direction of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit that determines where you need to be at this appointed time. And we forget that there is a time stamp on everything in life. The Holy Spirit doesn't just say, okay, uh, you're going to be president. Well, I think I'm going to be president. I'm going to go ahead and start acting like the president. Well, you might want to do a little preparation. Well, I guess you don't have to, to be president. Uh, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you might want to be something that requires some preparation. <laughs> My point simply is this is that if the Holy Spirit is leading you in a certain way, then he will lead you the way that it needs to go, not the way you want to go. Which means that, listen to me, every heartache, every pain, every disappointment that you have experienced in your life, if you are following the Holy Spirit, it's needed. All those hurts that you're mad about, all those things that people said to you were hateful and mean, you need that. Pastor, I don't understand it. Well, you'll understand it, the Bible says, by and by. The problem is that we want to do it our way. You can't do God's thing your way. It does not work because the first thing that has to happen is if you're going to be what God called you to do, there's going to have to be a funeral for you. Because the you that God's called can't do what God wants done. So there's got to be a new you. So the old you's got to go. And there's got to be a new you put in place so that God can bring you to that place. And most of us don't want to go that way. That's why Job said, you know the way I take. That's what he said, Lord, Lord, you know the way I take. But God is the, he is the author and finisher of our faith. So if he says you need this, then I need to be able to accept and deal with this. This is what God has for me. It is through much tribulation that we enter into the kingdom. But we don't want that. We don't want, uh-uh, don't hurt me. Don't, don't make me feel bad. 
Lord, whatever you do, don't embarrass me. I know that, you know, especially being a Pentecostal church, when we try to lay hands on some people, they say, oh, no, no, uh-uh. No, I ain't falling. Uh-uh. Because I don't want to be embarrassed. You can't receive from God if you don't want to be embarrassed. Can I tell you that if you look back over your life, I want you to look at some of the stupid stuff you did in the world. And you had no problem being embarrassed. You live like a fool. People saw you at your worst. They saw some parts of you that people ain't never seen before. And now you're worried about falling because, well, maybe my dress might come up. Well, you know. You cannot, here's what I'm saying, you cannot be changed unless there's a renewing of your mind. And a renewal of your mind means that you get, got to get rid of some old stinking thinking and you got to be born again. And being born again means there's got to be a change in your spirit man because that spirit man is, is going to influence your natural man. And if he does not influence your natural man, you're going to continue to do what you did. Doing God's thing your way is sin. And you can't be sinful and delivered at the same time. So what's it going to be? Huh? What's it going to be? Amen. I believe, I believe either you live by the power of the Holy Spirit, which results in righteous behavior or by the law, which only produces unrighteousness and bad attitudes. Amen. Come on, stand on your feet.